Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come today to the great feast of Pentecost, with Christmas and Easter, the greatest feast of the church year. And what I want to say on this great feast day is happy birthday to every Catholic listening to me, for we hold in our traditional theology, that Pentecost is the birthday of the Church. It's the birthday of the Church. So it would behoove us on this, our birthday, I think, to reflect a little bit on the nature of the Church. Who are we? Who are we? Well, in the Creed we recite every Sunday, we find that familiar phrase. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic Church. All four of these marks can be seen from the beginning. They can be seen at that first Pentecost because all four are gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do in the brief homily is just to look at each of those four qualities as we celebrate our birthday. We notice, first of all, as we look at the account of Pentecost, that at the prompting of Jesus— the disciples are gathered together in one place with the Virgin Mary, united in prayer. Now keep that image in your mind. It's like an icon of the 12 apostles with Mary gathered in one place, united in prayer. At the Last Supper, Jesus prayed that his followers might be one, that they might be one as you, Father, and I are one. When we come together as a corporate body, united in prayer, we are powerful and we are accomplishing the mission that the Lord gave us. The church's job is to draw the whole world into unity with God. Therefore, our unity is indispensable. A divided church is not going to be an effective means of drawing the whole world into unity. Notice, at least in the Catholic sensibility, we never negotiate our relationship with the Lord individually. But we always do it as a body. We do it together. Now, mind you, none of this means that the church is monolithic, or that its oneness is ever aggressively imposed. Now, as I say that, God knows there have been great violations of this in the course of, of the Christian centuries. But it's a violation. That's not what, it, what unity means. It doesn't mean aggressive imposition. It doesn't mean a totalizing vision in that negative sense of the term. In fact, there is plenty of room for diversity within the life of the church. Just think of the various orders and schools of spirituality. Think of the various personalities among the saints. I mean, in a way, they couldn't be more different one from another. But 
in essentials, they are one. By they here, I mean the saints. In essentials, the church remains, like those disciples in the Blessed Mother, united in one place in prayer. And that's why I say this now with all my friends in the ecumenical movement in mind, that the disunity of the body of Christ is a scandal. And, and I, I'm not casting blame on any particular group in a way. I mean, we're all guilty of this. If, if Christians have allowed this kind of falling apart to happen, that means something really decisive has gone wrong. As I record these words, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of John Paul II's Ut Unum Sint. That's the Latin for that they might be one. His great encyclical on the ecumenical movement. And, you know, from Vatican II on, this remains a central concern of, of Catholics to enter into these conversations because we know a disunified church is a disedifying church, a church without full evangelical power. Okay, so first of all, the church is one. Secondly, the church is holy. And this, too, can be seen from the very beginning, from that first day of Pentecost. What does it mean to be holy? There's a lot of ways we could, we could define it, I suppose. But I think the basic meaning to be holy is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to have in us that love that unites the Father and the Son. Right? The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. The mutual love they share, that is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Breath. The Father and Son send that Holy Spirit into the church, and that's what makes us holy. At Pentecost... Before the church ever put together a mission statement or met in council or organized parishes or dioceses or established leadership or the Vatican or anything like that, it was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what made it holy was when the Spirit came upon that group gathered on Pentecost morning. That's still true. That's still what makes us holy. And, and all the things I just mentioned, all those institutions, nothing wrong with them. They're great but only in the measure that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, only in the measure that they do the work of the Spirit. Think about this too, everybody. The church is about the business of making people holy. Just as it's meant to draw them into unity, that's true. It's about the business of making them holy. Everything we do centers finally around that great task to be a mediator of the Holy Spirit. That's what the, the sacraments accomplish. I used to tell the students at Mundelein when I was rector, you know, they'll, they'll call you father when you're a priest. And that's right, because you're a, you're a mediator of spiritual life, right? A, a father's a life giver. Well, life in the spiritual order means the, the life of the Holy Spirit, and it comes through the sacraments. Right? Baptism draws people into the Trinitarian life. Penance restores them to it when it's lost. Confirmation strengthens people with the Holy Spirit. Holy orders and marriage commission people for the work of the Spirit, etc. That's what the sacraments are all about. Furthermore, I'll mention the saints again. They exemplify the church at its best. They're the whole raison d'etre, as the, as the French would say, the whole reason for being. The church is designed to produce saints, period. I mean, it's not primarily popes, bishops, priests, theologians, laity. I mean, 
the whole point is to make popes into saints, to make the bishops into saints, make the laity into saints. Because saints are people who are holy, who have the Holy Spirit in them. So the church is one. The church is holy. Thirdly, the church is Catholic. Now, as you know, that word, kataholos, it comes from two Greek words, kataholos. It means according to the whole. So it means universal. The church of Jesus Christ is intended to stretch from end to end of the whole world. I'm just going to state it bluntly. The church of Jesus Christ is intended to stretch from end to end of the whole world. Jesus said, he didn't say, hey, preach to a few of my friends. They preach to the Jews or preach to the Greeks. No, he said, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How wonderful there. I mean, it means drawing them into the divine life. But all nations, not some. So how wonderful on that first Pentecost, after they received the Spirit, the disciples burst forth from the upper room. A bit here like the animals bursting forth from Noah's Ark. You know that great image of that little microcosm of God's created order being preserved on the Ark. But then the minute they can, they, they burst forth to repopulate the earth. And so the disciples burst forth from that little Ark of the upper room And speaking now the languages of everybody gathered there, they begin to announce Jesus Christ. It's it's an historical fact, the first Pentecost, but also it's a powerful theological symbol, I think. The message of Christ is meant not just for the Jews, not just for the Roman Empire, not just for the West. I'll put that in, in quotes. Like, oh, I guess Western culture is Christian. No, no, no. It's meant for everybody. That the church Catholic is meant to exist in all cultures, to envelop in some ways all cultures. I think it's one of the principal glories of, of the Catholic Church up and down the centuries, and to this day, that, that it spans the nations and cultures in this beautiful way. I mean, it's one of the, maybe the only, I mean, truly international reality in existence today. You think of the, the institutional and in, international power of the church. And I don't mean that, again, in some oppressive way, some bureaucratic way. I don't mean that. I mean, it's filled with the Spirit, and it's meant to spread the message all over the world. I'll mention John Paul again here, but I think the great inspiration behind World Youth Day was exactly on this point, when John Paul brought young people from all over the world together, and he, he encouraged them to bring their national flags and to bring their languages and their culture. Great. He loved all that. But he also was convincing them they belong to a community greater than their national community. All of them together speak the language of the Holy Spirit. See, beautiful. That's the Catholic quality of the church. Uh, I mentioned before, if you've been listening to me, that I, I always love it, that the first great evangelist in many ways in the Gospels is Pontius Pilate, who puts up the message of the kingship of Jesus in the three great languages of that time and place in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. Yeah, because from the beginning, yes, even from the cross, the church is, is kataholos. It's Catholic. It's meant for the whole world. 
So it's one, it's holy, it's Catholic, and then finally, the church is apostolic. Apostolic. And this too is witnessed to right from the beginning, as the Spirit descends upon the apostles. That word apostle is derived from a Greek term, apostelain, and that just means to send. The apostles are, in that most fundamental sense, sent people. They're people with a mission. That's the Latin word missio, right? It means to send. The Catholic Church is not meant to sit still. We are, all of us in this sense, successors of the apostles. Now, we say the bishops are in a a very particular way. But in another sense, every baptized person is a successor of the apostles. Why? Because they got a mission. They've been sent to propagate the faith. You know, that's the teaching of Vatican II, as you know. I still think largely unreceived, largely unreceived by Catholics. That every baptized person has got an apostolic mission, announce the faith. Do you ever notice this too, by the way, how almost obsessed the Catholic Church is with teaching? You know, we have grade schools, high schools, colleges, universities, graduate institutions, Episcopal conferences, the Vatican. All of these institutions are teaching. Well, that's part of our apostolic charge. We've been sent to announce the gospel to all nations. So that's a big part of our task. This all flows from our apostolic nature. So everybody, on this birthday of the church, happy birthday. Celebrate it. And realize who you are as a member of the church, the church that is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Happy Pentecost, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.